the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, yeah. Gotta reap just what you sow. That's right. And I'm saying it's true. Further on up the road, Joe Bonamassa, Eric Clapton, Royal Albert Hall in England a number of years ago. What's going on, everybody? Another Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970. The answer. Hope you uh, had a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, hope you had a, a wonderful week this week. We have got a lot of news and notes to get to. But how can you follow me? Very easily on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash A-G Craft Beer Cast, via email, Albert G at NYCRadio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Selexa Ready, iHeartRadio, Odyssey.com, just do a search for A-G Craft Beer Cast. You'll find the shows. Uh, you'll find the show, uh, not shows, plural. Uh, you will find the show on any of those platforms, as well as the Hopped Up Network. Head over to thehoppedupnetwork.com. A couple minutes after the show ends live, we post it as a podcast, and you can download and listen to it whenever you want. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Lukey co-owner and head rigmaster Jeff Smith is going to join me back on the program again. Lukey celebrating two years of brewing, heading into year number three after opening right in the midst of the pandemic. We'll catch up with Jeff and what they have going on on their three-day celebration that's going to be taking place uh, next weekend, the 15th through the 17th. We spoke about it on the program last week. We're going to dive into it more with Jeff uh, in about 20 minutes from now. The big story, though, is locally in New Jersey. So um, I didn't get a chance to do it on last week's program because I had taped the program early, and this had come out um, right before Friday, July 1st. And um, the NJABC decided... They decided to begin to enforce, as of Friday, July 1st, the new rules, the special conditions uh, that would grant people limited brewery licenses in New Jersey. Basically, any brewery that's open right now in New Jersey, including ones that will be opening in the future, are subject to these rules by the NJABC. I'm not going to get into all the rules. I have it posted on my on our Facebook page uh, at the AG Craft Beer Cast page. You can go through all of the rules. Um, uh, Chuck Garrity from uh, Death of the Fox Brewing actually posted uh, all of the rules. Very helpful. There's too many to go into. But suffice it to say, uh, this is something that brewers not, were not unexpecting. Obviously, this was going to take effect in 2019. It was supposed to start uh, in 2020, 
And because of the pandemic, they delayed implementing these rules. But now that we are easing up restrictions, people are, you know, people are going out and about in their business. The NJABC decided as the budget started on July 1st of 2022 that they were going to start enforcing these rules. And some of these rules are rules that are going to affect some breweries' operations because they do do, I don't want to say gimmick because it's not really a gimmick. Um, they do do trivia nights. They, they host special events. Um, you know, they have TVs at breweries, come watch the game at the brewery, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's going to severely curtail some people's operations. It's also going to curtail them from a social media point. They can't aver- they can only advertise a certain amount of events each year. And I think the number is 25. Well, 25, you could, you could do that in two months, three months, if you're having an event every week. No food trucks allowed on properties. Uh, if a food truck decides to show up, wink, wink, um, then you can have it, but you can't advertise. Now, the food truck could advertise that they're there, but the brewery can't. So, uh, again, I think, this is a, uh, I think this is a problem. And part of the problem is, is that the Brewers Guild of New Jersey has tried to work with the NJABC. They gave them some suggestions of what they could do to, you know, still implement some of the rules, but maybe, you know, move some things around a little bit uh, to be a little bit more beer friendly. And yet they didn't listen to anything that they said. They didn't take any of their suggestions. So Eric Orlando, the executive director of the Brewers Guild of New Jersey, issued the following statement. And bear with me. I'm going to read it in its entirety because it's important. While our organization and other industry representatives had previous knowledge of the intent of the NJABC to issue special conditions on brewery licenses beginning July 1st of 2022, we are still disheartened to learn that our feedback on ways to improve and modernize these rules was not incorporated by the, by the division in their final conditions. Our organization offered several proposed changes in the last two years to regulators with the hopes that they would become part of these conditions in the interim and become the foundation of more permanent industry regulations moving forward. Instead, breweries in the state still struggling from the economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and now also impacted by record inflation and ongoing supply chain issues will be limited in their ability this summer and the foreseeable future to serve their customers and provide the types of local, community-centric hospitality options many in our state have become accustomed to and thoroughly enjoy. Our guild remains hopeful that the Murphy administration will recognize the need for reform in the wake of the, of the pandemic to keep our local beer industry growing. We hope forthcoming regulations issued by NJABC later this year utilize our recommendations for the good of the dozens of small businesses which make up the state's craft beer industry. While we understand the NJABC is only empowered to enforce the laws as written, our guild believes the imposition of these broad conditions at this juncture by the division is extremely problematic and need to be remediated. Again, while the issuing of special conditions on licenses is discouraging, we are hopeful that our legislative leaders on a bipartisan basis in both houses will enact the statutory changes needed to aid New Jersey's craft beer industry to the point where we can achieve a similar level of economic success obtained by those in the craft beer industry in neighboring states which face far less restrictions and are allowed access to more business opportunities to help serve their customers. The Brewers Guild of New Jersey will continue to advocate for our members, the industry statewide, and our local consumers, and we remain hopeful that our elected lawmakers at the behest of local businesses and their constituents will work to remove the barriers which put our businesses' livelihoods at risk. That again from Executive Director Eric Orlando, uh, the uh, Executive Director, as I said, of the Brewers Guild of New Jersey. And Eric is spot on on this. Spot on. So what ends up happening here 
uh, is that these breweries are going to be hampered in their ability to conduct business. Now, you may say your argument will be, well, Carton and Kane and, you know, you know, a bunch of different breweries don't do these quote-unquote gimmicky things. This is true. And again, I, I don't like using the word gimmicky because I don't think that they're gimmicky. They're, they're designed to get people to come to a brewery to drink and have a little bit of fun. Again, the restaurant lobby is lobbying the fact that they think that the breweries are somehow circumventing the money that they paid for a liquor license as opposed to a limited brewery license. And that's simply not true. They cannot serve food on their premises. It's impossible. Okay? I don't understand why they think that this is a competition. It's not. If you work with a brewery, both of you will make money. So microbreweries are only allowed to hold 25 on-site activities like trivia and music nights, uh, as well as 52 private parties. So one party a week for a year, right? They can't do anything else. Uh, if they want to do an off-premise event, they can only get 12 of them, which means once a month. So this is going to, I, I, in, in my personal opinion, this is going to, you, beer festivals in New Jersey, probably not going to see that many of them anymore. That's going to hurt businesses like my friend Allison, because she's not going to be able to get the breweries that she wants to come and do these events. That's not going to happen. Now, David Ribble, who was the former director of the NJABC, um, was in the pocket of the restaurant uh, lobby. Totally, 100%. Um, the new director, James Graziano, uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, where he stands here. Um, but this, again, this was signed back in May of 2019. It was supposed to take effect in 2020, and then there was a two-year pause because of the pandemic. But it is it really is going to hurt a lot of breweries that rely on doing different things to get people to come in uh, so they can sit around and hang and, you know, and, and have a license. And uh, as Scott Wells, the owner of Bolero Snort Brewing, who we've had on this program and a friend of the show, many times uh, said, said in this article in NorthJersey.com, he and other guild members spent months working with the ABC. It seems none of our input was considered at all. That's a direct quote from Scott. And another quote from Scott, I personally appreciate that many of the items now listed on our license are statutory requirements that the ABC has no choice but to enforce. But there are other aspects that aren't tied to statute, he added. I honestly fear without quick legislative action on some of these issues, we run the very real risk of... Why did this jump here? We run the very real risk of losing many of the state's breweries and the jobs of all of their employees. And he's 100% right, because if they're not going to be able to do certain things, they're going to lose employees, they're going to lose money, and eventually it's going to hurt their bottom line. I understand it from the perspective of other breweries that don't do these types of events. Uh, it's not necessary for their business. They make their money on their beer, which is as it should be. If the beer is good, you should be, you should be able to go there without any other thing going on. Wet Ticket does it, but they hold music acts. They have a whole summer concert series. So now all of a sudden, that concert series, that's all they're going to be able to do. And you know that the NJABC is going to enforce these rules vigorously in the beginning. Whether or not they do it you know, six months from now remains to be seen. I would like to see the legislature take up legislative action here in the coming months and get something done. This is something that is serious. In fact, um, I, I'm, I'm teasing it here, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm hoping to have Scott Wells in our next segment of the program. I'm actually going to try and get over to the brewery to see if I can um, record an interview with him. And if I do, we'll play it in the next segment. If not, it'll be news and notes. Um, but we're definitely going to have a reaction on this. 
as the weeks go by because, it, honestly, it is absolutely ridiculous in the midst of high inflation, in the midst of we are still somewhat in this pandemic, there are still things that are going on, and the fact that they have decided, all right, we're just going to do this, just really blows my mind a little bit. And the governor, the current governor of the state, as much as I don't like his political position and his, you know, his politics and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, he has been a champion of the breweries. He has been supportive of the breweries. So I don't understand why he would allow this to take effect. I just don't understand it. Why not table it for another year and work on these things so that you can have something that is cohesive, that most of the breweries will agree upon? That's just my two cents. When we come back after a short break, we're either going to have news and notes or we're going to have Scott Wells from Bolero Snort Brewing to react on the NJABC ruling. All right? Coming up next on the Algatulo. What is coming up next? Who knows? Stay tuned and find out on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. I can get into all the reasons of or why you can follow me, but you listen, it, it, it really doesn't matter. I did promise... Before the break, I said, we're either going to do news or Scott Wells is going to join us on the program. So lo and behold, I'm at Bolero Snort, and Scott Wells is sitting next to me up in his conference room here. Uh, Of course, an old friend of the show is brewery along with everyone else in the state of New Jersey, basically, in my opinion, getting reamed when they, along with small businesses, have been suffering during and even after the pandemic. Are we even in an endemic phase yet? I don't think so. But anyway, BoleroSnort.com, the website for more information. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Scott Wells. Hi, Scott. Hi, Al. How are you doing, man? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Now, look, my friend, we're here again, sadly, for the wrong reasons. Why is the NJABC going ahead with rules that clearly benefit the restaurants within the state and hurt your businesses? I, I can't answer why. I wish I could. Um, the reality of it is, from the ABC's vantage point, they're taking existing rules and taking the next step in enforcing them. So there's a bit of a misconception out there that these rules were shelved during the pandemic, which isn't true. There was um, leniency on the tour requirement during the pandemic for public safety reasons. Um, All the rules were still in place over that time period, but the enforcement wasn't there. So this, this whole list of rules rolled out in May of 2019, and we really never had time to adjust to them, react to them, comment even on them, or provide feedback. So we've been trying to do that in the past about 15 months since we've reopened our tasting rooms post-pandemic. But obviously, we've reopened our tasting rooms post-pandemic, and we're not really post-pandemic, so we aren't hitting post-pandemic numbers. Um, The ABC feels that they need to obviously do their jobs. And them enforcing the tour requirement, that is statutory. That is a law in the state. And, you know, I get it. I appreciate it. I think it's stupid. But that's not their call to not enforce it. Uh, Much the same as their interpretation on the food rules and how they regard food trucks operating at near um, close to breweries or whatever else. The other rules are kind of arbitrary. And everyone in the industry has differing opinions on why those rules are in place and why they're coming up with certain numbers of events and prohibitions on advertising and all of the other things. And none of the other ones are really codified into statute anywhere or very loosely codified, such as the uh, one of the conditions is you can't mix cocktails with malt beverages at a brewery, which I do believe stems back from a, a, a law in New Jersey, it might not be a law, it might be a regulation, but there, there is a requirement that you don't 
adulterate a beer even at a bar. So by that same principle, when you go to your local bar and you order a Corona and they serve it with a lime wedge, they're in violation of that same law. So it is kind of curious why all of a sudden this is being imposed. And that isn't in the May 19 special ruling, I don't believe. This is a new thing that they're imposing on us now. And the timing of it when we're trying to bounce back from a pandemic in a climate that's tougher than ever to sell beer into distribution in the state, it's very curious, confusing, and difficult to kind of navigate now because their answer has always been, if you don't like it, go to the legislature. And our legislature last week just recessed for two and a half months. So we don't have the ability to go to the legislature and get any work done right now. Right. And, that's, and that's a bad thing. And when we spoke during the pandemic, this was right at the time that the governor announced to everyone's surprise, by the way, you guys got no advanced knowledge of this. It was kind of announced, you know, within an, maybe 10 minutes of you getting notified, he went up on stage and said, hey, if you get your shot, you can get a free beer from, you know, a local brewery that, uh, that brews beer in New Jersey and show them your proof of vaccination and they'll give you a free beer. But if the rules from the ABC are, and according as you just said, have been in effect since May of 2019, wouldn't the governor, wouldn't what the governor proposed, wouldn't it be illegal because you cannot give a free beer out at a brewery? So interesting that you would bring that up. That the, the shop for a beer thing was actually a concept that came out of Connecticut. And it was working in Connecticut to help get people aware that the vaccines were available. So through the Brewers Guild in New Jersey, I think we may have discussed this on a previous episode. Through the Brewers Guild, we went to the governor's office and said, hey, look what's going on in Connecticut and look how it's working. And Murphy's administration came back and said, wow, that's great. Why don't you guys do this? And we said, because we can't. It's illegal in New Jersey. We can't give away a free beer. So we went back to them and said, you know, if you want us to do this, you need to go to the ABC and get permission for us to be able to do it. The end result was they came back to us and asked for a list of breweries who would be willing to participate. So we you know, furnished that list. And then we don't hear back on the whole thing for another week or so when the governor went live on a press conference and all of a sudden it's out there, we're doing it. So the special ruling from the ABC didn't even come out until I think later that day or the next day that told us we were allowed to give away the free beer and how we had to account for it and whatever else. So it created a lot of confusion, and it was confusing within the industry because they only got a list from our small group, which at the time was maybe a quarter of the breweries in the state, and didn't even float it out there to the rest of the breweries. And it, it kind of got jar uh, a little messed up, but it worked. And we liked it. It helped. We got the word out there about vaccines. And because of the rules in the state, it was very terse less than one month later. I believe we started it May 3rd or May 4th. They were very strict. May 31st. Are there 31 days in May? Uh, Call it yeah. May 31st. Let's assume there's 31 days in yeah, May. Days. That was it. Last day. Come June 1, it's over. You cannot give out that free beer again. We're talking with Scott Wells, co-owner of Bolero Snort Brewing, located just a stone's throw away from MetLife Stadium. For more info on Bolero, just head over to bolerosnort.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, uh, Scott, is it fair to say that the Brewers Guild and you along with a few others – trying to take action here. But additionally, the Brewers had spoken with the ABC, suggesting how some of the rules could be tweaked. Did the ABC even attempt to modify any of these rules? So we had to go into it with respect that rules like the Torah requirement, they already have relaxed, and it is a statutory requirement. So when they regulated back in 2018 with the original special ruling, um, it didn't address it in any workable way. And at the time, if you went to a brewery today, you had to take a tour today. And if you went back to that brewery again tomorrow, you had to take a tour again. 
The May 19th special ruling addressed it and allowed us to do one tour per person annually with a reporting requirement. They made it a little more workable. So it's not in their purview to change that. But the other things that they're kind of coming up with arbitrarily, the 25 events limit, the size of your TV that you're allowed to have, the fact that you're only allowed to have two TVs. If you have a guitar player in the corner, that's fine. But if you put a microphone in front of them, it counts as a special event. If you have... You know, even if you don't file an event permit, if you put on live championship sports, it counts against your 25 events, which I, I joke about all the time. We had people here on a Tuesday. They were the only people in the brewery, and they wanted to watch um, Olympic curling. And we had to say, uh, that's a gold medal event. We have to turn it off Oh because that's live championship sports. So some of these more arbitrary rules we've discussed with them and asked for you know, some more logical changes that make sense in the modern world. And we were told, all right, we're taking your, your thoughts into account and we're going to come up with something that's more workable. And they're very honest that they feel that they have to balance the needs of the industry as a whole and the concerns that the restaurant owners and the license owners have and how we might be unfairly competing against them and how somehow championships, uh, championship curling on a Tuesday hurts the local bar. So we provide a lot of feedback and had calls over 15 months with them. And none of the feedback that we gave them, including things that they said that they agreed with, made it into our licenses. So that sounds to me like these rules are designed for you guys to try and take action through the legislature. Like basically, we're going to stifle you, uh, a tax revenue that is doing very well for New Jersey, that you're giving into the, uh, the tax base into the state of New Jersey. But at this point now, it, it seems as though that you need to get state senators and state assembly people involved, maybe even the governor at this point, maybe by executive order he can relax these rules for you know for a certain period of time until the legislature can do something. But again, as you said, they dropped the bombshell on you on June, on June 30th, and you know all of a sudden here it is, they're enacting it on July 1st, and the legislature's away for two and a half months. Nothing is going to get done during the summer. It's not like they're going to call back an, an, an emergency session to pass a bill on beer. It's just not going to happen in the midst of this pandemic. So it sounds to me like they want the ABC wants you guys to take legislative action. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. And we have reached out to the governor's office and try to loop him in on it. I don't know if there is any avenue to go down by way of executive order or, you know, a temporary uh, moratorium on the, the new conditions just to give us time to get the legislature back and have those conversations. But the reality of it is it's still politics. And even though we have state senators and assembly people who are willing to, to take up this cause and put meaningful legislation out there, as we've seen in the past, we've had to go up against a former Senate president who didn't care about our industry and wouldn't put those bills up for a vote. Um, and at the same time, we have to go up against there's a lot of lobbying power and lobbying dollars who don't think the breweries in the state should exist. Um, well, we're talking about former state uh, Senate President Steve Sweeney, who was voted out of office, but he could potentially regain his office if he doesn't run for governor in the next couple of years. But you mentioned there are a couple of legislators uh, that are in favor of the breweries. Senator uh, Mike Testa down in uh, Vineland, Senator Vin Gopal, uh, Gopal in uh, Monmouth County. And we're going to touch on that uh, when we come back after a break. But, um, my final question before we take a break here, uh, Scott, you mentioned the whole thing about um, having to take the tour again, but only able, you know, only having to take it uh, once a year. What are you guys doing that's a little different from some other places that just maybe have a sign of how their beer is made or, 
you take a quick little tour when you walk into the brewery. What are you guys doing on that? So th- this is an important education piece, both on the brewery side and on the ABC side, because there is a misconception about it. And what the director of the ABC views as a meaningful compliant tour and what other ABC officials have over the past couple of years told breweries count. So from the director, we're told that having a sign up at your register doesn't count as a tour without a meaningful interaction with an employee, some sort of educational component. Um, we do two different types of tours here at Bolero. We make sure you take your tour before you get a, you know, get your first drink. We want to stay in compliance. We do what we call the compliance tour, which is a quick, hey, look at the brew house. Here's what we do at Bolero that sets us apart from other breweries and makes us a little special. So more of a customer service approach to it that's still educational. And then we allow you to sign up that puts into our system that you took your tour this year. And we hand you a card that you have to put your name on that tells us you took your tour. So next time you come back, we check your tour card against your ID to make sure you are who you are. Um, We've asked the ABC to make sure before they go out and tersely uh, enforce this, that because there are a lot of misconceptions, it was what qualifies as a tour under the regulations. They do a better piece of educating both the breweries and their own enforcement side. So everyone understands what the director views as a compliant tour. All right. When we come back after a short break here, we're going to do one more segment with Scott. We're going to talk about uh, some of the legislators who are getting involved in this and hopefully get some meaningful legislation to help out not only the brewers, but small businesses in New Jersey. It's just it's not fair what's happening here. Coming up next at Bolero Snort with Scott Wells and myself, Al Gattulo, on the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. All right, we are back with uh, Scott Wells and myself here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast at Bolero Snort on AM 970, The Answer. So as we mentioned, uh, Scott, before the break, a couple of legislators are getting involved in this. Um, one of them who's been a big champion of the brewery, Senator Vin Gopal uh, from Monmouth County, who is a big fan of craft beer. But Senator Mike Testa uh, from down in Vineland has said he will introduce new legislation uh, to counter the rules that have been established by the ABC do you think enough can get done in the Senate to make a change? Let's And I, I know they're out of session now for the next couple of months, but do you think come the fall, do you think that they can push something through that will affect change in New Jersey? I mean, I want to say yes, but, you know, recent history has shown us to not really get our hopes up on that. You know, when we had the old Senate president involved, um, we saw a meaningful legislation that seemed to be logical for everyone kind of just die when I get there. there. There's been bills out there just to kill off um, the tour requirement for years that never got a full vote. So there's, you know, there's those types of issues. But really even, you know, Vin Gopal being directly involved in some of these other bills that we've had out there, um, popular things that make sense like making home delivery permanent, a privilege that we have just for COVID, that makes a lot of sense. It's getting a lot of opposition from liquor store owners, um, which is – you know, it's disheartening when you're talking about 140, 141 breweries that aren't doing a lot of home deliveries in terms of dollars, finding ways to get beer into the hands of people that can't source them on the shelves because the same liquor stores that are complaining about it aren't carrying us. So they're kind of getting involved. And you're talking about an industry that's a $6 billion industry fighting back against a couple hundred thousand dollars of, of brewery home delivery. It doesn't it doesn't compute to me. So it seems like any time any sort of legislation comes up that helps small businesses like ours, there's always some special interest group that finds a way to come in. And, you know, I don't know if it's donating to the right campaign funds or whatever it might be, but even when you have champions, they always find roadblocks. Um, now with this issue, 
it looks like we have pretty strong bipartisan support. So you would think that it's able to to move and move quickly. But there's a lot of people who don't want to see the brewery succeed. There's a lot of money invested in this state into making sure the beer that's available to the consumer is not beer that was made here. Right. Uh, and I think that's the part that people miss. The craft brewing industry in the state is very, very, very popular. And you know the reasons why people are going to the local breweries is because they want to support good local beer. And in many in many pockets of the state, they can't access good local beer. So the consumer is the one who loses every time we have some meaningful legislation out there that dies. And it, and it sounds to me like, and again, my opinion only, and I'm not going to put Scott on the uh, you know feet to the fire on this one. This is the restaurant industry that is directly involved with preventing you guys from furthering your business. I think it's, it sounds to me like they want to continue to stifle you guys in whatever ways they can because they're crying wolf that they can't get people into their bars but yet and restaurants, and yet their bars and restaurants are selling uh, you know, macro beer, AB InBev, stuff that people don't want. They want a good tap selection that has a variety of different national and local beers, and that's not happening, and that's why I think they're trying to push you out of business. I mean, speaking of the rules, how absurd is it that clearly one brewery was targeted with this rule, breweries can't serve coffee. We both know one that sells coffee in the state of New Jersey. It's it's Death of the Fox down in South Jersey. Clearly, the ABC was going after Chuck and his crew. Uh, I, it's not a coincidence that that rule was enacted. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I, I want to be clear on the first part. I probably agree with you in principle, but I'm not trying to vilify every liquor store out there and every bar out there and every restaurant out there because there are a lot that understand the consumer is looking for a certain product and they're buying those products from us. So those bars are also being hurt here because if it's making it more difficult for our industry to survive, they're going to lose the ability to buy local beer if they lose the local breweries. So there are a lot of the, the bar and tavern owners out there who are very supportive of the industry because they do get it and they're trying to give the customers what they want. And there's a lot of liquor stores out there who get it. So pointing back to the home delivery issue, we do a lot of home deliveries in pockets of the state where retailers have chosen not to carry us and not for lack of our effort. We've tried to sell to retailers in these towns, but they choose to not carry our products. But the customers clearly want our products because they're ordering it from us directly. So it's, it all comes back to how antiquated our system is in general. Now, to your second point, the death of the Fox issue, it, it was specific to one brewery. And when all this started back in 2018 and 2019, it did harm that one brewery who's half brewery and half coffee shop, and it didn't really make sense. And they, they had to get lawyers involved at great expense to them, and they got a special dispensation from it. Now, these new conditions came out Thursday of last week as our license uh, terms renewed. So the license renew every July 1st, and the licenses basically came out at the zero hour. So even though Death of the Fox Brewery had a special dispensation on the coffee issue from 2019, it still showed up as a condition on his license. So now what do you believe? Your special dispensation from a three-year-old piece of regulation or what says specifically on your license with your brewery's name on it says you can't sell coffee when you're also inherently a coffee shop. So they, they've, they've since corrected it. They have addressed that. But, you know, I feel like that's something that was, again, lawyers had to be involved at an expense and confusion and time spent and tempers and egos and all, which should have just been easily avoided. But the parties that be don't seem to really want to help 
and make things make sense. I mean, that's that's obvious based on all of this stuff that's going on. I mean, there's uh, supposedly a uh, symposium next week, uh, next Tuesday in East Brunswick, of which uh, one brewery owner and a bunch of other uh, restaurant people will be involved in. And I'm hoping to get over there because I would like to ask a couple of questions and hopefully I'll have them answered. But the Guild in Pennsylvania Breweries in PA released an article which, in, in short, basically invited breweries in New Jersey to relocate to the Keystone State, basically saying, hey, we can have fun here. Uh, you guys can't. Any thought after all these rules were released, was was there any type of knee-jerk reaction to say, you know what, I, I, I'm done here. Let's just go put our business elsewhere because this is ridiculous. We've poured our heart and soul, and it seems like they are trying to crush us under their boot. So we, we've already seen just in the past, I think, 18 months, we, we've had a handful of breweries in the state go out of business first and foremost. Um, and again, I'll point out these rules didn't go away. They were – not really enforced, but we still, you know, they, ABC was going around last year handing people the document saying, follow these rules, even though several pieces of that document have been superseded by executive order already. So we've seen brews go out of business, and that, that's true of any industry. We've seen restaurants go out of business at the same time. But at the same time, we've seen so far at least one brewery say, that's it, guys. I'm packing up and moved across the river into Pennsylvania, which it, it really is baffling how hard it is here in New Jersey in such a progressive state when our two biggest neighbors on both sides of the state have far more relaxed and far more business favorable laws when it comes to breweries. So we've already lost one to Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I don't want to even think about what the cost would be to pack up this building and move it over border somewhere. But I talked to I'm not going to betray confidence. I talked to another brewery today whose lease is coming up and they're looking at not renewing and taking their business and moving up into the Hudson Valley. Um, you know, up in Hudson Valley, which is five minutes from where I live, breweries have a lot more capabilities. They're allowed to have full kitchens, let alone food trucks. They're allowed to have nonstop events. And what happens up there, the breweries are, are doing well. They're thriving. But you don't see restaurants not carrying the breweries. I live up in that area and I go out to these local restaurants and it's not even, you know, craft beer centric places. It's, it's the family taverns, the Irish pubs, it's everything. They all support their local business because the breweries really act as a catalyst to get people to go visit the Hudson Valley and even visit the Hudson Valley, not during, you know, apple and pumpkin picking season. So people are going up there and the restaurants pick up extra business because of it. So it's the symbiotic relationship that we all should have, but we don't have it in many cases and in many pockets of New Jersey because of a liquor license system that doesn't favor small businesses. It favors people that you know had the money to buy these licenses three generations ago or have $2 million in their pocket right now just to buy the license. And you know, in our case, Al, you've been here, and I'm, I'm sure some of your radio listeners haven't been here before, you know, we invested a lot of money into our brewing equipment. The expense of operating a brewery is not cheap. No. Um, By any stretch of the imagination, it is not cheap. I mean, put it this way. It took us seven and a half years to build this place. Right, so, exactly. you know, it, it's a very difficult thing to do. And the argument of we're not playing fair, I don't really understand it. We're not asking to, you know, we're not asking to open kitchens. We're not asking to serve other people's beer. We're not asking to mix cocktails. We're not asking for any of those things. We're just asking to be breweries that could have a food truck outside and maybe have a guy in the corner with a guitar who's got a microphone in front of him. Right. 
Listen, the what what the I, I was going to ask you what the common person can do, but the answer is very simple. If you live in the state of New Jersey, you need to write your state senators, you need to write your legislators, you need to write the governor, you need to call them, and you need to tell them that they need to start doing something here to help these small businesses. And it's not, you know, you may think, oh, it's just beer, but let me tell you something: beer is the is is the, just a the small start of how small businesses get ruined by big conglomerates and big corporations and big organizations, and that's not a cool thing. My guest has been Scott Wells, co-owner of Bolero Snore Brewing, located just a stone's throw away from MetLife Stadium for now. For more info on Bolero, and I mean that in a joke, just go to bolerosnort.com. Scott, I love you, my friend. Thanks for having me here today, and uh, really appreciate it. Up next, Jeff Smith from Lukey Brewery joins me to talk about his anniversary celebration coming up in Arvada, Colorado, on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. You can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo. Instagram at Catulo. That's G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O. Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, uh, uh, we're on uh, 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 iTunes, Google Podcasts. I think I repeat this enough. I would remember it off the top of my head. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. Alexa ready as well. We're on Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio, and of course, our good friends over at the Hopped Up Network, just head over to the hoppedupnetwork.com. You can check out the podcast version of the show, usually a couple of minutes after the live show ends on Sunday nights. And there are plenty of other podcasts that are on there that you can download and listen to anytime that you want. Now, my next guest is the founder of a brewery. It opened in Arvada, Colorado in July of 2020. That's right, right in the midst of the pandemic. We also found out his family has ties to the Ringling Brothers Circus family. And now, lo and behold, the weekend of July 15th, they'll be celebrating two full years in business while getting set for year three. For more info on the brewery, just head to Lukey, that's L-U-K-I brew.com. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Jeff Smith. Jeff, how are you? And congratulations. I'm doing great, and thank you very much, Al. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Now, you have certainly weathered a hell of a beginning for a brewery in these last two years, especially when you opened uh, during a, the pandemic and could only operate at 25% capacity to start. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in these past two years of operating a brewery? <laughs> you just keep throwing stuff against the wall until something sticks. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's truly what it was. And, and we have a great community, uh, great neighborhoods around us that really supported us. And I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest lesson is just really remember that, you know, the people are there for you. They want to drink craft beer, and you gotta, you got to give it to them. Yeah, and so, and so the town and the people around the town – uh, were very receptive of you guys coming in and helped support you as much as they could, right? Absolutely. Uh, why don't we dive into the anniversary celebration because you've got three days of events that kick off on Friday night, uh, the 15th. A hard seltzer slushy bar. What is this all about? <laughs> so, you know, we, we really love, obviously, the, the circus theming, the carnival theming, and, you know, I, I had kind of had this vision of, you know, those old shaved ice things where you can you can get this whole big pile of shaved ice yep. and you can kind of squirt your own flavors onto it. And that's got us thinking. It's kind of like, well, 
why don't we make a slushy out of a base hard seltzer and then let everybody just put their own flavors on it, kind of like shaved ice, but a, an alcohol version of that. So that was, that was a great way I thought we could kick off the whole weekend by just uh, having that for, for people to kind of create their own flavors out of all the different syrups that we'll have available. And Jeff, i got to admit, you might be the first brewery in the country to do that because I've never heard of another brewery uh, doing that. I've heard of them doing you know floats and slushies and stuff and having a couple of different flavors, but they're all flavors that the brewery themselves have picked out and will serve to you. I think this is the first time that you, you're basically telling people, we're going to give you a seltzer with alcohol in it, and then you get to put whatever flavor that you want in it. Yeah, it's kind of like a Bloody Mary bar, but, you know, <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Now, you also have a whole bunch of uh, box sales that begin on Friday the 15th. What are in the boxes? So what we've got is this circus in a box. It's a kind of a marketing thing that we've done on occasion. And what it allows, it's a, it's a nice slick little box. and will hold four of the 32-ounce crawlers. So what we're going to do is a pre-sale that allows everybody for the three actual beer releases that we're doing for the re- weekend, be able to get a crowler of each one of those. And then we're also going to put one more IPA in there that's going to be a box-only release. So you'll kind of be able to get a limited-edition crowler in there, and then in the box we'll be throwing some other goodies in there, some of our limited-edition glassware, uh, some special stickers, and, you know, maybe some candy, some root beer barrels and stuff like that in there for for kind of a single price, which we have yet to figure out. But, no, it'll be a a complete package for people. Very cool. We're talking with Jeff Smith, co-founder and ringmaster of Lukey Brewery. They're based in Arvada, Colorado. Their two-year anniversary party takes place the weekend of July 15th through the 17th. For more info, just go to LukeyBrew.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. And for those that don't know, Jeff, so you have uh, you had relatives that were uh, founders or worked for the Ringling Brothers uh, Circus, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So it was my great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather, and they were both in the Ringling Circus in the early 20s, uh, my grandmother was Mademoiselle She rode elephants and was a snake charmer. And my great-great-grandfather was an advanced sales uh, ticket taker. He'd go the town ahead of the circus and start drumming up the uh, advanced sales for letting people know the circus is coming to town. And for you kids out there that are millennials, we were talking about the 1920s, not the, two, the 2020s here, because <laughs> that would only be a year or two ago. So just want to make sure that people understand that, which is really cool. So uh, you're, uh, so they, he, was, um, he was the guy who went to town to, to drum up support for the circus yeah. that was coming in in a couple of days, sort of the advanced uh, welcoming committee to get people uh, to buy tickets. Sort of like when they tell people, you know, tickets go on sale on Wednesday, get your code now. Uh, before the concert happens a couple of months down the road. Now, Saturday, Jeff, you got a lot of fun for the kids, uh, as well as a Berliner uh, Vice release. Why don't, we, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what the kids can do if families want to bring their kids out to the brewery? Yeah, so in the early afternoon, we've got a, a caricature artist. Uh, that's been really popular. We've had him ba- had him here for a couple of events. Um, that that kind of generates a line really quickly. <laughs> And then we've got some face painting, too, which, you know, there's no reason why adults can't get their face painted. And right. I'm not saying you shouldn't get it something inappropriate. But, <laughs> you know, there's, there's things there for, uh, for just some fun in the afternoon. And then uh, we'll be sliding into some live music at 3 o'clock. A local artist, Duke Justice, he does some fantastic covers and things of that nature. And then in the evening is going to be kind of our big uh, headlining event. Excellent. And then uh, the Berliner Vice release, what's that? Uh, really, we're really starting to play around with a lot of sours. Uh, we don't have the ability to do a, a deep, 
year-long barrel aging and, and do it properly. But we've been experimenting around with a lot of yeast that do uh, that, that kind of drop some of the lactose at the same time as it ferments, and we're really happy with some of the results. So we're going to be releasing that uh, Berliner Weiss, and uh, really the same day we're going to – we have a kettle corn cream ale that we're going to be releasing that day too that we're just calling popping off. Cool. Oh, that's that sounds kettle corn cream ale. Interesting. All right, that sounds a little unique. And then you wrap it up all on Sunday with the return of an old favorite. So why don't you tell the uh, folks what that beer is? Um, so we've got two things. We've got a, a rye IPA, mm. and it was something that we used to make a long time ago. My wife and I, when we were home brewing, it was actually when we first learned about the New England kind of hazy IPA thing. So it was one of our first ones that we do. Why we decided to make it with rye, I can't really remember, but it was a recipe that we did back then and it was absolutely fantastic. It was one of the one of the few beers that when we started making it there was a lot of people who said, "Hey, you guys should actually open a brewery." So it's probably one of the small handful of ones that uh, we're excited to bring back. And nice. that means we'll wind up having a good two or three, maybe even four hazies on at the same time, which I swore I'd never do. But here we are. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, it's all about it's all about what the people want, right? So if, if the hazies oh, yeah. are the big thing, and that seems to be the case for a lot of breweries. I know there's a brewery in New Jersey that's going to be opening soon, and the brewmaster wants to do you know a lot of traditional style stuff, stuff that he likes, but he understands Hey, you got to do what the people want. If the people are into oh, these yeah. easy IPAs, you've got to make them. Otherwise, you can't survive as a business. My my last question, uh, Jeff, and we're talking with Jeff Smith, the co-founder and ringmaster of Lukey Brewery based in Arvada, Colorado. Um, in this two years of the pandemic, we're starting to mm-hmm. see some different things in terms of grain prices going up, aluminum cans are becoming more expensive. Have you seen any of that uh, within the brewery? Have you seen um, difficulty in getting... Uh, certain ingredients that you need for beers? Are you having issues with getting aluminum? Has the supply chain issue affected you in any way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the obvious one is grain prices have gone up. Uh, hop prices have gone up. Right. I mean, with some of the, the, the climate issues that the Pacific Northwest had last, uh, last year, last growing se- season, uh, there is some scarcity on, on some of the more elaborate hops that are out there. Right. But I'll tell you, one of the, the most interesting things is it's the stuff that you don't expect that is having supply chain issues like glassware. I mean, we had we had a certain specific setup of glassware that we wanted. And when you go to reorder, because you have to reorder it, um, all of a sudden they're like, no, we don't have that glass anymore. And we may not in 2022. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a very... So those are the curveballs that really get thrown at you. Is you can kind of, kind of sigh and go, yeah, grain prices are going up. These other prices are going up. You know, cost of goods. That's understandable. But it's sometimes this other stuff where you know this specific Edison light bulb. Hey, you can't get that anymore. You're going to have to go with something else. And it's kind of like, all right, that's not what I was expecting to spend my time on. But there we go. Yeah, and and you know, and so then, what do you do there? I mean, if it's a specific glassware that you want for a specific beer, or is it all right? We'll have to, you know, this beer will work in this type of glass, so you go with that one. It's a little bit of both. I mean, it's you know, a pilsner glass. That was the first one that we got kind of surprised with, and you know, there's a lot of good pilsner glass out there, but. We had one glass that was kind of like our everyday class, mm-hmm. and you can go way back in our Instagram and see it. It's an actual barrel. It looks like a barrel. It's perfect. It's thematic for us, mm-hmm. and they just stopped making it, or it was just part of that supply chain issue is 
they only had so much channel, so they had to focus on other glassware. So, you know, we had to we had to move glassware twice, and then yes, it is the case of I want this specific beer in this specific glass or this specific beer style, and you almost have to re go through the whole process again. I go and all right, what which one do you feel that your IPAs should go into, and you know. You got to ask the question: Am I going to be able to get this glass for a while, mm-hmm. or is this a one-time thing? So yeah, it just—it right. it adds an extra challenge. Understood. Listen, my guest has been Jeff Smith, the co-founder and ringmaster of Lukey Brewery. They're based in Arvada, Colorado. Their two-year anniversary party takes place the weekend of July fifteenth through the seventeenth. That's next weekend. For more info, just go to LukeyBrew.com. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Best of luck with the anniversary weekend. And, you know, you've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations just to get the brewery uh, up and running, doing it in the midst of pan- of a pandemic, and being successful with having the populace come out and support you guys. Um, it- it's awesome, and I can't thank you enough for joining me uh, on the program. Well, thank today. you, Al. I appreciate it. We are out of time. My thanks to everyone that's involved in the program. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I'm back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.